This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. All right, folks, once again, it is time for the inimitable, the one and only, we think the one and only, at least the only, perhaps the only, I don't know, DLR Cast. As always, I'm Steve, along with my good friend, Darren Paltrowitz. What's happening, Darren? Steve, being the co-host of the number one David Lee Roth podcast in the world just brings me such a high that I'm doing so well. Are, are you doing that well as well as I am? I'll tell you right now, man. I know one thing and one thing only. I can see clearly now the rain has finally disappeared, my friend. <laughs> that one has got to be on the DLR band album. You are you are good, my friend. You are hot tonight, to quote Loverboy. The, um, <laughs> yes. the kid is hot tonight. Yes, that is in fact from my possibly my favorite song on that amazing record, the DLR band. Track number nine. That's a song uh, from... Uh, that's a lyric from the song Relentless. And like our upcoming topic here, that story does that song does tell an interesting story. And speaking of interesting stories, Dave's got them in spades. But before we get into that, let's uh, we'll get into this other part in a second. But this is a very special episode because for the first time we have a interview with none other than Diamond Dave, courtesy of you, my friend. Uh, we have to preface from 2003 an interview with Dave. Yes, I've never put this out publicly before. I didn't write it up as an article. Something I was taped when I was a wee nine, uh, twenty-one. I think I was 21 years old when I taped this. Uh, I was not a great interviewer, but I never had this digitized until uh, a month or two ago. Well. I hope I think everyone will appreciate the hard work. I know I sure did. It's a it is a really cool interview. And so 2001, this would have been right before the Sam and Dave tour. Oh, sorry. Oh, three. I'm sorry. Oh, three. So this would have been that would have been, I think, the same year as this. No, right. Right before the Sam and Dave. tour. 2002. Then this is oh, three. Okay. He did a world tour that went into oh, four. Then there were still dates from it in 05 and 06. 06 was uh, strumming with the devil. Ah, uh, yes. The radio show that he did where he took over for Howard Stern in 30 Markets, was that 05? Um, 05, 06, yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I remember where I was when I was tuning in fairly regularly to it. Yeah, so it's kind of a... I don't want to say an awkward phase for David Lee Roth because, hey, any phase of David Lee Roth is a great phase to me. But it's kind of this phase where he's three years back from being in Van Halen. He doesn't really have a new album. Like at the time, we're talking about the Diamond Dave album in the interview. But that was all covers except for one song, I think. Yeah, uh, it was one, maybe two songs, but one song I think was a leftover from the DLR band sessions because it's co-written with John Five, a.k.a. John Lowry, who also played guitar on that one track. So, yeah, the, that yeah. that Diamond Dave record came following the DLR band record. Yeah, if you read all of your David Lee Roth interviews and listen to them for all over the years, you know, in the 1980s, he's kind of trying to do the, well, I'm better than Van Halen. And then this is the era where he's like, I am Van Halen. <laughs> right. I'm the voice of Van Halen. No one else is the voice of Van Halen. So it's this weird kind of thing. It came up in the Brian Young interview that when the first tour that Brian Young did, which was the Sam and Dave tour, it's pretty much Van Halen one and two and a couple of songs. And then Dave slowly started taking out some of the deep cuts and putting in solo stuff. And this is 
the set list from that era was pretty much Van Halen's greatest hits, his solo hits, and that's it, plus right. DOA. Right, right. Yeah, and uh, and at that point, you can make the argument he pretty much was the voice of Van Halen because Van, uh, Van Halen was in the middle of a deep period of a lot of inactivity following Gary Sharon. And what was it? Right around, they did one reunion tour with Sammy, which uh, did yeah. not, which was which was a difficult to watch if you've ever seen the videos on YouTube. And they did not get along. Yeah, so that was '04. That was the summer after this interview and the beginning of this tour. So Dave kind of went out on the road in '03 and '04, and you can argue '02 with with Sammy. And kind of showed the world of, hey, I never stopped being awesome. These are songs that still matter. And it definitely lit a fire under the Van Halens to work with him again. He I think so. That he was no slouch with this era of touring. But at the same time, he was kind of a presenting himself as an oldies act in this era. Yeah, it was kind of a weird dichotomy, wasn't it? He wanted to, I mean, he was definitely, if you listen to those videos, if you see those uh concert videos on youtube particularly we always talk about mean street during that time frame yeah. from from uh what tv show was it i can't remember right uh with, and we were talking about this you were talking about this with that great brian young interview i mean he was killing it he sounded great live what's the concert you talk about often from finland the finland from 99 in support of the dlr band album on MTV three Finland or something like that. Not MTV one, uh, but MTV trace. Yeah. It was this great outdoor festival in Finland and a couple of people still have it posted on YouTube. And he does once he does slam dunk from the DLR band album. Otherwise it's, you know, Van Halen's greatest hits. And I don't think he does any solo. Oh no, no, no. He does Yankee Rose. I don't think he does just a gigolo or or California girls. I don't think he does just like paradise. I think it's just like the greatest Van Halen songs, slam dunk, Yankee Rose. So kind of going a bit nostalgia, but he did sound amazing. The band was kick ass. So this interview you did, was this part of the Diamond Dave press junket, if you will? Yes. For that album? Mitch Schneider, who was early on into our podcast. Got to thank yes for, for doing that when we were just before we were the number one David Lee Roth podcast in the world. You know, Mitch <laughs> was there for us. And for some reason, Mitch and his PR team really embraced me. And they sent me the No Holds Barbecue tape on VHS, two copies. Oh boy. <laughs> I sent one of them to Metal Sludge. They never thanked me for that one. <laughs> and then I guess a year or two later was this. Interesting. Well, this is a really cool interview. I think everybody's going to dig it. Thank you for working hard to digitize it, bringing it out of the oh, DP vaults, if context. you will. A little context right here. I've never been a morning person. I'm still not a morning person. <laughs> this interview was at like 7.15 in the morning, Eastern time. So I think my first question is like, hey, Diamond Dave, what do you? what's a rock god like you doing up so early in the morning? And I think he goes... I haven't slept since the 80s. Well, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but presumably he was taking the call from Pasadena. And you're like, why was he up at 4.15 in the morning <laughs> doing press? Because he was he never actually went to sleep. <laughs> yeah, but uh, his energy, I think, is pretty good throughout the interview. And 
without knowing I was able to do it. I think I got him to break character a little bit in there too. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a very cool interview. Uh, I really enjoyed digging. It. It's an interesting little snapshot of Dave back in that time frame, And, uh, you know, he came across as pretty personable and, you know, you listen to a lot of your favorite artists interviews over time. And sometimes the, you, the questions are often the same year after year after year, but you didn't go down that route. So I definitely applaud you for that. It was, it was much more of a conversation to a degree, as much as one journalist can have <laughs> with David Lee. Yeah, I, I did the best I could with what I could at the time. Nowadays, I feel like I've done so many interviews that I could, you know, talk to a wall and make it interesting, even if it's not an interesting wall. Back then, I was still, uh, um, um, so you, uh, um, you know, I had to script out my questions for fear of not knowing what to ask the person. But, you know, now I'm super kicking myself because you go like, you had Roth for 20-ish minutes. Think of all the things you could have asked him about. Right. Think about asking him about the influence of, uh, Jim Dandy from Black Oak, Arkansas. Like, you could ask him about that and blown his mind, but I think I was too busy asking about jump. <laughs> <laughs> it was all in all, it was a good interview. I'll, I got to give you props for it. So, Thank you. So before, so before we get to that, we should talk about a different era for Dave right now, and that is, I guess, Dave the serial cartoonist right now, because we've talked about this for a good number of weeks, and that his his ongoing artwork for the last couple months now, you know, it was covered in the New York Times, covered in CBS this morning, and there's been a couple interesting things. First off, about two or three weeks ago, we had one cartoon that got me all speculating, and that was it was looked like some. I guess Asian blacksmiths, if you will. I'm not exactly sure. And it's and with working like with hammers or whatever. I'm not exactly sure what they're doing, but it all it says is coming soon. And I went, hmm, what's coming soon? I mean, talk about cryptic. Is it more music, more artwork? What is it? I mean, my mind was running musically. And who knows if that album with that he did with John Five several years ago will ever see the light of day. Uh, or maybe he's who knows, maybe he's been working. Uh, for all we know, Dave can come out with some sort of Japanese EDM thing that he discovered in, <laughs> you know, while he's been living in Tokyo off and on, if that's indeed where he's at. But uh, and I'll take a breath in a heart in a minute. But I'm excited <laughs> with all this. But right now, the last week, literally the last Last week, there's been this ongoing story he's been telling in cartoon form that near as I could tell looks like it was about him almost being busted in Pasadena while on his bike, biking through a place called Singer Park. And it is interesting to say the least. And of course, it is really cool looking. Yeah, well, going back a second, if you were the kind of person that judged an artist and their productivity based off their discography, you'd go... Well, Dave did the DLR band album in 98, and he did Diamond Dave in 2003, and he did A Different Kind of Truth in, I guess it was 2012, and that's it. What has he been doing? But if you take a step back and go, well, David Lee Roth did his new media digital comic thing. <laughs> He's been doing these cartoons. Um, this week, wasn't it like five days in a row there was something? It's Yeah, I mean, it's all up on his website, and it's a four-panel it's a four. It started on like April 12th, and today was a Sunday night. Uh, what is it, the 18th? Yeah. So, um, which on a side note, we're almost coming up on 4:20. I wonder if Dave will post an interesting <laughs> cartoon on that day. But yeah, it started on the 12th. So 
Now here's what. Now I'm not, still not exactly sure what hashtag soggy bottom means. Yeah. But the last time we saw hashtag soggy bottom was the uh, something new coming. That was it. It says something new coming soon on the cartoon I just alluded to. It looks like three Asian blacksmiths with hammers pounding something, and it just says something new coming soon. Hashtag soggy bottom. Then we didn't see anything. Then all of a sudden on the on about the twelfth, there starts being. Every day, a four-panel serial, if you will. It's starting off with true story, and it's uh, it's the story of uh, presumably Dave on. Well, he's doing it in the first person. Dave on his bike, being chased through this park. People jumping out at him. Uh, one guy, you know, found a pair of tactical gloves. I mean, it's it's there's a guy walking his dog. I mean, it's all over the place. And I'm just like, what is this about? Yeah. And, the last post, it just says someone was teaching us a lesson. And Russ's dog is, I think, this now deceased dog from year, several years back, makes an appearance. And uh, and then the last, very last picture is not a cartoon. It's a, these worn out black mil- paramilitary tactical uh, gloves. And I'm having a fever dream for all this stuff. Because mind you, after I was taking a look at this, I somehow stumbled across and spent 45 minutes early today watching No Holds Barbecued. So right <laughs> right, barbecue. So right now, I'm a little fucked up, my friend. I don't know why. Dave, just I don't know what any of all this means. But I'm digging it. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, so what I'm getting at is he's been doing these cartoons. He had that graphic novel kind of thing. He had the No Holds Barbecue, which is not on a discography. But some of the recordings and things that are part of that have never come out. And then in that time, he also did two different like podcast YouTube kind of series that came and went that would happen. And that's not really super documented. And then there was a song that he premiered as part of that after the Van Halen tour wrapped. And then there's these songs that he put out, which. Rumor is they're recorded in maybe 07, the John 5 album, including Somewhere Over the Rainbow Bar and Grill. So he's got this discography that if you're a common fan, you'd be going, oh, man, that guy does nothing. And then if you're a diehard along the lines of us, you'd go, he has not only been nonstop doing things, but what medium? Oh, yeah. You remember the Japanese language short film he did? Yeah. Oh, yes. And I was just thinking, too, it's funny you mentioned because. Not only has there been a ton of artwork, there always has been a lot of artwork. Okay, he's—we've yeah. seen this artwork over the years before. Remember, he did all the liner notes and the artwork in the booklet for, uh, for a different. Uh, sorry, um, your filthy little mouth. Remember, we had uh, was it Richard Hilton on talking about yeah. how the how the lyric sheets were all had this artwork all around it, and we saw that in the liner in the booklet for your filthy little mouth. So there's been artwork before. It's is he's certainly gotten a lot more prolific. But I was thinking too, there is a ton of you mentioned the music. There's a ton of music out there that most Van Halen, Van Halen, David Lee Roth fans don't know about unless you're really into it. And I was reminded that today when I was watching via his website, by the way, I kind of forget that DavidLeeRoth.com exists. But if you scroll around there, all these cartoons are there, as well as some various videos that he put up through the year, including a really cool um, end of tour farewell little five minute video vignette. Uh, that he did at the end of that 2015 tour. But I, like I said, I was t- watching No Holds Barbecue, and I was reminded of this. In the background for all those po- – the different two different podcasts he did, there was always some sort of music bed with a lot of him, you know, kind of doing the vocal sort of – almost like a Bobby McFerrin sort of thing that's had this sort of dance vibe to it, a lot of it. 
Uh, and there was some more rock stuff on there. But I was watching bits and pieces of No Holds Barbecue today, and I th- forgot he does a cover of Baker Street in that yeah. by Jerry Rafferty. He does a cover in there of Don't Bring Me Down by ELO. Yes. As uh, you know, as well as uh, is is uh, there is there an acoustic cover in there of Mean Street? I think. Yes, there is. As well as just the whole thing is a soundtrack of original music. He easily has, I bet, a double album worth of of music there, solo stuff that no one has heard before you even get to the the John Five record. And it makes you wonder if the songs that comprise the Diamond Dave album was just a pared down selection. Of, from a bunch of things because that wasn't too far apart from the no holds barbecue. No, it wasn't. And it also came out through this indie label that was called Magna Carta records, which did a lot of prog metal kind of stuff. It seemed like a weird fit at the time. Well, yeah, well getting back to this, this, this serial thing, it, it's, it looks like it's come to an end. Uh, this week's worth of four panel, co- uh, of, uh, comics, cartoons and it is definitely an interesting story it just it does say at the very last panel before the gloves it says to be continued but first and then there's a picture of the gloves and it's like what does this mean i if i had more time i would read through the bevy of comments on here because maybe there might someone might have some idea in there who the hell knows but uh you know i like to think someone's i'm sure dave isn't posting these on his own he probably has a social media person so who knows when these things were done but a lot of a lot of his artwork is very timely and of the moment like a few weeks back when he did one about cardi b where he said wap <laughs> what did he say w wap stands for oh, wings, uh, and pizza. wings and pizza yes <laughs> yeah yeah he was talking about in the Either the Joe Rogan and the Mark Marin interview, I'm pretty sure it's the Joe Rogan one, about him not having a smartphone and that he just stands by people who have it just in case there's an emergency. So I, yeah, I don't think it's him running Twitter to any extent. Yeah, yeah. It's just, as always, an interesting guy does very interesting things. And I... I'm watching. I'm reading these cartoons again earlier today, and I'm looking at Soggy Bottoms. No, the frog doesn't make an appearance in any of these, <laughs> so this could be a whole different sort of thing here. I'm, obviously, it's all online, but the marketing guy in me, the the fan in me, is the book guy in me is thinking, man, this could make a really cool series of like limited edition sort of graphic novels, if you will. <laughs> Uh, sell 500 of them all signed or something. I mean, I, I can't see him necessarily doing that because sometimes the commerce end of things is just the last thing on his mind. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, as far as packaging or doing something, I mean, but to, at least commercializing something, but this might be as far as it gets, but I sure as hell am enjoying it. Yeah. I guess we just have to stay tuned because he and Van Halen are on that short list of huge bands with ACDC that don't do anything with social media, that don't leak anything. There isn't a real manager on board. It just seems like to, there's a lawyer, there's a damage control publicist, and there's people collecting the money, and that's about it. Oh, I, I, I'll give ACDC props. I mean, the guys don't do it, but they've got a really good social media presence. That's how I, that's how I originally found out about their awesome most recent album back in the fall. It is somewhat up to date. Van Halen, forget it. 
I mean, it's, we're, I'm thankful that Dave is on social media, at least, because for the longest time, there wasn't one much. I can remember about 10 years ago hearing that somehow he lost the domain for DavidLeeRoth.com. I mean, someone wasn't minding the store for a minute. Yeah, well. And the, and the websites had some different uh, permuta- permutations, if you will, if that's even a word, but, you know. Yeah, whatever it is, I, I think if we can recap the conversation here. <laughs> is it possible with, with my rambling? Next? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dude, I'm all amped up. I've had one beer and we're talking David Lee Roth on a Sunday night. Well, I think it's interesting that he has, whether or not the average person realizes it, he's been prolific in a variety of media. He's doing interesting stuff. We still don't know what any of it really means, what the end goal of any of it is. If there's going to be more, when there's going to be more, how much more that's going to be. And that's kind of awesome. <laughs> it is always a it's it, it's always a bit of a mystery, always a bit of a surprise. I got to go back to his website for one minute because today was the first time I had been on DavidLeeRoth.com for a while. And it is all up to date. There's some really cool artwork on there and images from the from the tour he did uh, before COVID with Kiss. Uh, there's a lot of really, cool, really cool looking wallpaper through some of the pages, but it's all up to date because the top thing on the menu says is true story. And you <laughs> click on it and it's these comics. And then you go to the soggy bottom, the Roth project, the Roth show. And then what's real, what I forgot, I don't remember seeing this for on the very last page. It says press inquiries, E-N-Q-U-I-R-I-E-S. And there's an email for someone named Jerry Leonard, G. Leonard at lbmgt.com i have written to jerry leonard before um (laughs) i didn't know that that was on there before i think it's an accountant or a business manager or something like that but it does say press inquiries with an e not inquiries so yeah it's all it it, as always (laughs) it's interesting and super cool to talk about that's for sure yeah, but thinking about it, because as I was saying before, that 2003 interview that you're about to hear, it's kind of this period where maybe he had a website then, but he was all about the oldies. And now the Dave of today, not only is he doing all these multimedia things, but he's way into EDM. He had that big revitalization, I'd say, three, four years ago, the infamous Las Vegas knocking on the hotel door of the youths. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that, two years ago, I think it was. It wasn't that long ago. It was before, obviously before COVID. But yeah, it was a couple years ago. Yeah, so he's been pushing the ball forward, whereas maybe he wasn't pushing the ball forward in 03, 04. Timeline a bit more. That was post-New post, post New York City, post-EMT. I remember in the midst of all that, he took a couple, a couple years off and lived in New York and was canoeing around Manhattan Island and saving <laughs> people in an ambulance. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm not as excited as you are, but I'm close to that amount of excited to see what's coming. You're better with keeping up with the comics than I am. My short attention span needs like audio and video to go with it. But oh, and by the way, in the in the midst of that whole list of things you were just talking about, which is so active, let's not forget also he basically helped found or started a tattoo skincare company. Oh, yeah. Ink the original. Uh, This is going to be a really nerdy, borderline stalkery thing to to say and to admit on the air. But as an investigator, as a licensed investigator, 
I've from time to time dug through the U.S. trademark database thing and you put in variation of Dave's name. And there's some interesting things that he has trademarked over the years. Really? Yeah. And and one of his companies is named after the dog Russ. Like, I think that maybe he's getting paid everything through. It's like it's a name like Russ the Dog Inc. or something like that. <laughs> Now, let it be said that you were not specifically looking for stuff on Dave. You happened to be going through there for your day job and thought, hey, I wonder. Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, it started off with <laughs> Tangent, where I want to see the most ridiculous Gene Simmons trademarks. Ah! There's that old story of that Gene Simmons trademarked orange juice, and he trademarked the, um, what do you call it when the you go action, the slate thing? Oh, right, right. The, yeah. Yeah. Take 33. Yeah, action. yeah, there's things like that that are rumored that he trademarks. I want to look up what has Gene Simmons trademarked. And there was a thing, and then there was like Gene Simmons bikini car wash. Come <laughs> <on>. <laughs> and there was like Gene Simmons dominatrix or something like that. He just had these ridiculous ones. So then I said, well, if he's got ridiculous ones, let's see what Brett Michaels has. And Brett Michaels had some ridiculous ones, too. And I said, well, if Gene and Brett have done stuff, what has Dave done? <laughs> There's a rabbit hole, dude. You are in, you were going down. I did, and, and I admit it. But, hey, public information is public information. Absolutely. Well, give all those guys props for being entrepreneurs, right? Come on. Absolutely. And you'd be surprised if you go further down the rabbit hole, which bands have never trademarked their name. Hmm. Interesting. Very but, interesting. But way down the rabbit hole. Back to you, Steve. All right. Well, on that note, my friend, let's get after that interview. And always a pleasure talking to you, my Thanks. friend. Hopefully uh, we didn't set the bar too high with this one. Um, let us know if there's anybody we should be speaking with that we haven't already. We're open to ideas. We A few obvious names that we're pursuing. But if somebody goes, hey, I know the customer on the Little Ain't Enough tour, hey, send them our way. We'll talk. Yeah, send, send an email to thedlrcast at outlook.com. Yeah, but thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to you, Steve, for making this, this train happening with regularity. And yeah. <laughs> Like I always say, man, if if everybody is having half as much fun as we do doing this thing, then uh, it's a success. So, yeah. And then after the episode, I go look at all the people here tonight. <laughs> and, at that, and then at that point, your wife goes, just stop. OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but thank you. All right, my friend. Take care. Hello. This is Diamond Dave. Hi, Diamond Dave. How are you? I'm doing fine. Are you tape recording this? I'm tape recording this. Are you ready? Superb. <laughs> well, how you doing today? Um, first thing in the morning. Like yeah. Thunderbolt and your Cheerios, homeboy. <laughs> well, why would you choose such an early time for an interview? Well, I haven't been asleep since the late 80s. Routine. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so is this the second interview of the day? Yes, it is. Wow. Again, I'm I'm very surprised that anybody, especially a rock art like yourself, would want something this early. Routinely, I do what I call boxer's hours. I started off in 
you know, martial arts before I was even a teenager. And, what you know, I would go watch the Rocky movies. But naturally, you wake up at about 4.35 in the morning, and I'll go until the middle of the afternoon, and then I take a siesta, and I do the whole thing over again until about midnight. So I get twice, twice the light in half the time, and then I can reverse that to accommodate the road. You know, the road is 9.15 go. Most people are just starting to hit cruise speed at 9 o'clock at night, and I'm supposed to combust. So kind of learn your schedules, whatever's most comfortable. And people say, what's an average day like? I don't have an average day. That's why I keep re-enlisting. Hmm. <laughs> well, good for you. And, and, I, and I must say from the get-go that your book, Crazy from the Heat, changed my life. Uh-oh, for the better, the worse, or did you use it as state's evidence? <laughs> well, definitely for the better, because it showed exactly what a person can accomplish when they put their mind to things and don't conform to standards. Here's one of my favorite poems, and I saw it inscribed on a rock at the base of the Kumbu Ice Pole, which leads to Everest. And it doesn't rhyme, but it's still a poem. Sure. <laughs> Go, climb the treasure mountain, and do not return empty-handed. Where are you now? Hmm. And you know, in terms of poetry, that's an inspiration. Hmm. Poetry is a lament or a simple reflection. That sounds like Coach Kelly from Pop Warner Football to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, right on uh, all around. Where are you at today? Are you at home? Yes, I'm in the backyard here. I have a tennis court that several years ago I filled up with California beach sand from San Onofre Surf Beach. You may know it from the famous song Surf City USA, where he goes, uh, something, something, Ventura County line, San Onofre and Sunset. <laughs> and it's about a foot and a half deep here. And I use it, you know, first thing in the morning. I call it the Zen pen, because this is where all the ideas come from. One of the best interviews, in fact, and I can kind of actually go and walk along the beach. Thank you for your call. to deal with the lifeguards. Yeah. Well, I, I think we saw that as part of the Mojo Dojo and No Holds Barbecue. Oh, there you go. We shoot a lot of the video in the backyard here. It's my version of the chaplain stage. You, know, you can just you bring in a bulldozer and you can move the sand around and build all kinds of walls and whatnot. Next one I'm going to do after sometime after the 4th of July is we'll dig out the middle and we're going to make a Gilligan's Island lagoon. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I got to say, you always got a new idea. Well... There's no lack of writer's block because I'm a genuine fan. And even more importantly, like most of you reading this right now, I'm an elitist weenie. <laughs> I think I know what's best. In fact, I know I know what's best. And it's usually different than the rest of the crowd. Isn't that the way we all think? Sure. And as long as you don't lose that, that ambitious fury, and I think there's a very thin line between fury and great art. Great art can be anything from graffiti on a brick wall to who designed the brick wall. True. Both require fury, preferably rage. Preferably. I'd like to think that I have black rage. <laughs> Most potent form. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, speaking of great art, what can you tell me about the new record that you have coming out? These are the songs that I grew up and learned as 
the College of Musical Knowledge. There's the famous scene in Stand By Me where the 12-year-olds are walking down the railroad track and they're singing Purple People Eater or Polka Dot Bikini. Well, the conceptual leap from that to Wayne and Garth doing Bohemian Rhapsody, and at the punchline you turn and point to each other. <laughs> yeah. That is forever. Every generation has that. For me, it was the acapella part of that first song. I'm tired of trying to be dot, 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 comma. <laughs> when you tried to sound, keep that low voice, and this was pre-Barry White, then you tried to imitate that song by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. You wanted to trance out, pretend you were a hippie while your parents were away at work. You listened to that Beatles song. If you wanted to be a badass, but not quite biker, that Doors song. <laughs> yeah. And, and on and on. And you hear all of the elements in my voice as I do original material. You know, my voice is more famous than a Nike Swish now. <laughs> and you'll hear Van Halen music more frequently than the national anthem if you listen to rock radio with any regularity. Sure. Um, those elements, you know, you go back to the root here, and it, it's very telling. And the music rolls out quite naturally. I recorded it in real low-fi fashion, classic drum sets from the 60s, superior performing ability from the musicians, tremendous amount of rehearsal, almost zero recording time, and then hung with all the latest cats coming out of Berkeley. I think, geez, we had a 23rd birthday while we were in there. <laughs> and had you celebrate that one? Oh, no, no. We used all the Pro Tools and all the loops and all of the what's happening now, because that's my taste. Routinely, I wander out to the beach, find my little blue-haired girlfriend with the tongue bolt and buy $350 worth of what she likes. <laughs> mind-roasting daddy-o, and I intend to use every bit of it in my kitchen. And that's what kept Van Halen swinging, and that's why you're still bothering to talk to me today. <laughs> yeah, well, I would bother to talk to you even if it weren't swinging. <laughs> I'll take it as a compliment, although I used to hear the same thing from a probation officer. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 sorry to cut corners. There's so much to talk about, but... What can we be expecting at Westbury Music Fair from your live show? Uh, this is in the round, is it not? Yes, it is. Oh, great. How much better could that be? Because I look just as good going as I do coming. Some say even better, like my last girlfriend, Stacy. But why the hell? <laughs> 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 well, what material are... Maintained uh... I look better going. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that. <laughs> in the round is great. My, I just... I just found my first pair of glasses that I ever wore as a star. I was seven years old as Mr. Bookworm. I can even sing you the song. Can you sing me the song? Yeah, my name is Mr. Bookworm. I hope you like to read. <laughs> I was seven years old in the class play, and my mother made me these glasses that look like bookworm glasses. I just found them in the cupboard recently. Well, you know, that kind of theater mind, that kind of, I don't know, somewhere between Groucho and Kurosawa, somewhere between what the Scarecrow and Wizard of Oz does, and, I don't know, think of me as the Wizard of Oz, but with a little bit of echo. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautifully in the round. Also, 
I got more hits than the Gotties. <laughs> well, I know John Gotti used to hang out backstage at the Jay Black shows at Westbury Music Fair. <clears throat> I can I can play song after song after song, and they are utterly familiar, and not in a. Well, let's see, who did we who did you see on TV the other night? Kansas, and their most famous songs are that dreamy part at the end of prom night when everybody's getting kind of teary-eyed and slowing down and they're singing Dust in the Wind. My, you know, compared to Breathe My Dust. It's <laughs> 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 two different attitudes. I'm the miracle dropper in Holmes. I'm that, I'm that shot of energy in your alphabets first thing in the morning. It's, uh... I am your inner child, and it turns out your inner child just wants to get away. So here's the soundtrack. <laughs> the music we'll be playing is not necessarily in this order. It's California Girls, Chuck, Gigolo, all the classic Van Halen material. You name it. You name it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, a variety of what's coming from the new album as well. Any chance we'll be doing Slam Dunk? Mm, you know, time being what it is, I have a whole new record here that is just hammering. The video comes out on VH1 pretty soon. I just shot three days worth of 4th of July Christmas special with Diamond Dave. That happens all three days of the weekend. And it's all based around what's happening right now. If it's already in the air, then it's obsolete. What's on the drawing board? True. Well, what do you think there's left to accomplish? Somebody who's already done almost everything imaginable like yourself, what what do you aspire to? Yeah, you get the average average school kid untrained to draw a tree. They'll draw some branches and more and more and more and more leaves. Once you've been schooled a little bit, learn to draw your branches make three great leaves and spend the rest of the time working out the details inside. Hmm. So this is gonna, basically your career is a metaphor for a never-ending tree. Uh, it's, it's ambition to become better and better at what you do. Infinite refinement. Do you ever completely master Kendo? Or is it simply the process of a lifetime of having tried to master somebody, something that registers in your character. Yeah. Uh, are we, <laughs> again, sorry for a poor segue here, but are we ever going to be seeing uh, you starring in a movie like the one you had in pre-production in the mid-'80s? Mm, who knows? You know, the production experience we just had for three days with the VH1 people and so forth out here in Hollywood was superb. It was great, and obviously, I'm, I'm on two feet. I'm, I am in front of your naked, steaming eyes, best on stage, and I've managed to learn the vocabularies of what we do over the given summers. If you want to learn how to shoot film and edit and work in the edit bays, then that's a whole other vocabulary. If you want to do stage design and album cover and computer graphic, world, that's a whole nother language again, all of which can be learned, but you're going to have to not be the man for a while. And that's what usually stops most musicians 
for pursuing beyond what they simply do on the stage. Hey, I'm a guitar player and that's it. Then you hire out to have somebody do your album cover, your stage design, uh, your video, help you with the production and everything. At the end of the day, you're going to wonder, too, what happens? What happened to the sound and what happened to the money? <laughs> <laughs> well, good point, but I think you showed a No Holds Barbecue that you can do a little bit of everything. I like to read. Most of what I know about showbiz, I found off the printed page and still did, still do. I just read an essay on Lenny Bruce, the Elvis of comedy. Was I a real fan of his humor? No. Mm, has his life certainly lent color to mine and millions of others? You bet. <laughs> yeah. And uh, everything that I've brought to the stage, particularly my enthusiasms, come from having seen pictures of it and having read about it uh, either as a kid or currently. I subscribe to 30 different magazines. I read them all every month. I read a book a week. I took the television out of my bedroom when, right after my birthday last October. And um, I determined I wasn't reading enough. And would you have any books to recommend to our readers right now? No, because taste in book reading is so wildly diverse. You have to figure, uh, what is your taste? That's what's ruinous about public school systems. You figure everybody's going to read David Copperfield. When it turns out, nobody really wants to at all. Consequently, you have a whole nation of folks like, I don't know, a friend of mine, Kid Rock, was on the tour bus last season. And he looked at me, he said, Dave, I want to tell you, and I'm proud of it. I don't think I've read a single book since high school. <laughs> I thought to myself, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and how long ago was that one? <laughs> that was last season, last summer. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> Would you ever consider doing an album of collaborations with artists that you've influenced? Probably not. If uh, I've influenced, it's usually to the left of the center. It's really, it's really easy to imitate a pair of pants or to pick up a bottle of Jack. It's really easy to imitate uh, playing too fast on the guitar, which is usually how it winds up. Um, my inspirations, the people that I would uh, that I would collaborate with, would certainly be closer to the folks, the new faces. In Lincoln Park, I would collaborate with the Chemical Brothers. I would collaborate with uh, Trevor Raven, who I just heard a whole bunch of background music on that Profiles from the Front Lines. A series that was just on about, uh, you know, military in Afghanistan. There were like eight episodes of that. The background is, it sounds like Cirque du Soleil. Okay. I would, go, I would go and find the individual who's responsible for the music, uh, the original music for Blue Man Group. Yeah. That's inspired. Um, in terms of uh, serious vision, wraparound smile and black rage, hey, take me along for speed dash and insecurity. <laughs> well, well, I think that uh, uh, one thing that a lot of people can agree upon is you've sustained 
a, a life in the spotlight and obviously a career. And I was wondering if you'd have any advice for people who are looking to do just the same. Yeah, just because no one understands you doesn't mean you're an artist. Laugh <laughs> 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 to win. Hmm. Go back through all the, all the old black and white movies. All the best bad guys used to laugh. <laughs> and so did all the heroes. True. True. So, do you have any last words for the kids, Dom and Dave Lee Roth? Yeah, let me think. <laughs> it's not really last words. It was something I was thinking about recently. Okay. My dad passed away about three months ago. I'm sorry. Uh, it was an antagonistic love-hate relationship. You hear it in my voice. You hear it in my music. It was great. Um... And he wanted to be cremated and have his ashes thrown out around Aspen Mountains, the great big beyond. And I thought, not me, take my ashes and throw them around the village. I've always spent my childhood, didn't know it at the time, trying to get downtown in New York, whether it was Mad Magazine, which is quintessential downtown New York humor, to the final to the books I ultimately read, all the Kerouacs and the Gettysburgs, and hey, it turns out even Henry Miller was from New York. Jesus, you guys have a meeting without me or something? <laughs> <laughs> all my favorite poets, all my favorite pornography, it all comes from downtown. Throw my ashes in Washington Square Park. Uh, I I'm surprised you'd say Washington Square Park because, well, uh, never mind. Allegations! No. <laughs> Rumors and lies spread by my competitors to destroy my good name! <laughs> well, I'll, I'll amen that one, but... Part and parcel of it. You gotta have a sense of humor. True. <laughs> True. Well, I'll take that one from you, and thank you very much for a lot of laughs, Dave. Hey, my friend, come on to the show, and, I'll, and we'll have a drink. Okay, and, and I was wondering if you could do me a quick favor, if you wouldn't mind. Okay. Okay, can you say, hi, this is David Lee Roth, and you've reached Darren's voicemail, or anything like that? <laughs> sure, ready? Yeah. Hey, this is David Lee Roth, and me and Darren have headed off to the Riviera, and you got left behind. All right, I'm out of my mind, but leave a message here. Damn, you're good. Thanks, my friend. Have okay. You too, cheers. <laughs>